Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is Television Watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to discuss ways to master your thinking. But and one we method get to is that. the following of the Mayan calendar, which we would think would be particularly um, prevalent now that it's finally 2012 and it took its time getting here. Uh, but now that it's here, today in Mayan is? Three Kawak, and Tone Three is a day of service, finding out what, what is of service with you. And Kawak is a tribe of service. They're, they're very supportive and catalytic for others' growth, um, but they're also about not taking anything anymore, like really drawing the line, the thunder beings. Oh, yeah, letting, absolutely. Letting their voice speak their boundaries. And the guide tribe today is Akbald at night, so the dream is accompanying what's going on in your life today. So the electric storm in the dream, which makes a lot of sense. And I activate in order to catalyze bonding energy. I seal the matrix of self-generation with the electronic tone of electric service. Electric tone of service. It's electronic. They oh, have. okay. Yes, okay. I'm guided by the power of abundance. But interesting stuff, the Mayan, because it is part of mastery. And the following of the calendar may uh, replace the Gregorian calendar this well, year. One thing that I think is very interesting is that each day is completely unique. It's not another February 23rd each year. Each day has its completely different energy, depending on the, uh, the, the Zulkin and, and various other things where things are in this larger, ever-increasingly fractaling cycles that yeah. every day has a unique energy. And in truth, it does. Mm -hmm. We all, like, we, we wake up on Mondays and, oh, it's Monday. And obviously, people have a very strict point of view about what Monday is. This is Monday. a good way for us to start talking about mastering thought. Mm -hmm. They found that a huge percent of heart attacks and people dying from stress-related type of diseases happens on Mondays around yeah. 10 o'clock. The most heart attacks happen Monday at 10 o'clock after people get back into work. Well, if we stop thinking of a Monday as the Monday that we have it defined as, oh, going back into some cage and having to stay there for five more days, we are going to then relate to Mondays in a completely different way. So begin by looking at each day as a unique day instead of a duplicate of something we lived last week. Well, yeah, part of the mastery, and that's what we'll be talking about, mastery of thought, is the revelation, and it will come that way, that you can never have the same experience twice, which is how junkies get hooked, you know, how drugs work. You have that amazing first experience, and then all you ever do is pursue that experience. Yeah, again. but you'd never have it again. That so. happens in romantic relationships, too. Yeah. At the beginning, it will be very wonderful, and then it could turn into something really awful. But one continu continues looking for that potential that exists. Yeah, it is throughout all of thought. It is a major pitfall in the way in which we think. Once we've had the experience, don't go to seek to duplicate it because you'll throw yourself off from the subsequent system of experiences you were going to have. The mnemonic is the old blessing does not necessarily resemble the new blessing, but there is not a moment that is not a blessing. And getting that up online, you know, is mastery of your thinking because we're taught that ridiculous method of non-thinking, which is, well, that was good. Uh, let's do that again. You know, even Bart Simpson, you know, who always after the disaster says, let's do that again. 
No, well, I think we passed that, that phase when we're about two years old. If anybody's been around a two-year-old, and you throw them up in the air, do it again. Throw it up in the air, do it again, do it again. Mm-hmm. Well, some things can, well, you can still have fun doing the same thing, but it really does have to be approached as a new and different thing. Yeah, and this is especially important for your work week. Think of days as being different. I, I think one of the, the things that got me really thinking differently about time more than anything else was the day out of time in the Mayan calendar, where it's not Monday, day off, then Wednesday. It's Monday, day off, then Tuesday. It's literally a day out of out my of normal time. timing. Yeah. And so that got me thinking that how much of an attachment I have to different days of the week. Hump day, Thursday, Friday, oh yeah, it's Friday. What if we could have the same kind of excitement as we do on Friday night or Saturday night on Monday night? We still get up in the morning each, both days, so it's not like we're held in a prison to not have fun on Monday nights. Begin making Thursday night your fun day night. <laughs> uh, not to mention that our show is on. Now, the Mayan That's calendar, I mean. when well, we teach well, the Mayan calendar, we talk about the day out of time, and it happens to totally correct the, the snafu that is leap year uh, to a degree that, uh, go ahead, did you have something else? No, no. Yeah, so the day out of time is a miraculous moment I had many, many years ago, we'd thrown a party to celebrate the Mayan something or other. And um, in those days, there wasn't the web, not the way it is. And the only way to follow the Mayan calendar was to actually buy an existing Mayan calendar. And um, uh, because of the day out of time, uh, an impossible thing happened. Seventy calendars were delivered to the party exactly on time. But it was through the day out of time, and I still don't know exactly how that worked. But it is a very different way to think. Well, uh, there are a lot of things that stop us from thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. Number one is pollutants in the stream, like fear. Fear will hijack your mind. It's, it's, a, it's a given. It's even a scientifically proven fact that when we are afraid, the fear response takes over and it stops you from cognitively thinking. Mm-hmm. We go into more primitive reptile reasoning yeah. and we're not in the higher mind. So having fear in your life and, and letting it hijack your brain uh, is one way of, of not mastering your thinking. And something you had suggested many years ago on the show, which I still think is a very valuable tool, you said A, B, C, D, stop there. And you, you were saying, you know E's coming next, but you were able to stop the thinking there. It's really important to master turning off your mind when you get into a fear. Otherwise, it can go really spiraling down. And they say when you have a trauma or a fear and you go to sleep, it, it actually burns it into the brain even more. So it's a good idea to do some meditation or some releasing or something before you go to sleep than, than rather just going directly to sleep. Oh, absolutely. And talking about it does it too. Yeah. So sit at least 30 minutes with a trauma or a fear before you, you talk about it. And if you can get to the place where you don't do any talking about it and you dismiss it, all the better. Which is something you build up like any other muscle. It does require repetition to grow very strongly. So one of the first things we would introduce on the idea of mastery of thought 
is this John Willow's quote, thought creates and where you place your attention grows. But to say that again is to say that um, your thinking creates. Not only that, your thinking creates very powerfully. And the people are trained, and I don't know how this is done, but I know that it is done. Uh, people are, are trained to think that their thinking does not matter. And boy, it does. And becoming master of your thought is not to think what we would have called negatively if we were back in the days when good and evil were methods by which we choose to think, but not, not anymore. So the idea of thinking, um, the, I heard it described uh, that each individual atom has a virtually infinite number of receptors around it, and if we charge an atom negatively, it speaks in spirals out. It spirals out with the negativity which affects others. And it could be done the same way with positivity, or better still, Just-isity. Yeah, just-isity, a, a neutral or it's divine or love charge on the thing, as opposed to good and evil charge on it. But our thinking radiates out from us. We don't know this very well, much. Well, it's actually programmed thought. So yeah. if if it's of a frequency that triggers people to think thoughts that don't serve them, yeah. then that's it. Uh, and it reminds me very much of that exper experience I had. I wasn't quite in the dream time. I was in a meditative state, and I was dying in this meditative state. And this person walked in that I thought was coming to heal me, and when he grabbed my hand, I realized he was pulling all the life force out of me. And this voice from the center of my being came up and said, thank you for healing me. Mm -hmm. And I was instantly healed. And what that was showing me is that people can have all kinds of intentions to send to you. All it is is programmed energy. You can accept the program as delivered, whether mm -hmm. it's what we call negative or hate-filled or anger-filled or cursed or whatever we put uh, as a label on it. You can accept delivery of that and allow it to play in your life like a computer program. Or you can say, thank you for this energy. I am going to use it as thank you for healing me. And a good period of time after that experience, if someone did something that I normally would have gotten into a spiral about, in, the, in my mind, being upset or angry or hurt mm -hmm. or accepting that program, I would just say, thank you for healing me. Yeah. Somebody cut you off in traffic, traffic say, thank you for healing me. Mm -hmm. Your boss gives Very your powerful. coworker the raise instead of you, thank you for healing me. Mm -hmm. And you will be surprised how that energy, that newfound energy that had just come into your life, opens up. And I realize that's exactly how superstition works. And superstition is one of those worms that gets yes. in, viral worms that gets into your head. Mm -hmm. And it is exactly that. They're sending you a program that you can accept delivery of or not, or you can change. Superstition is the idea that something is more powerful than you, mm -hmm. that things outside of you are more powerful than you, and it is indeed completely a falsehood. This idea of being master of your reality is something that we don't teach. We are taught that reality is master of us. And of course, it is the other way around. And children are brought up with the idea that uh, reality is masterful, reality is unchangeable, when it is our thinking that is creating reality throughout our entire life. And mastery of it, oh, there you go, okay. Then that's the point at which. 
So there's the idea that in the original firmament, the original stuff before time and space existed the way we un uh, allegedly understand them today. Okay, when it was firmament or fluffy matter is another term or for softament. Softament, yeah, in the Pleiadian term, fluffy matter. Uh, before things took on um, um, da, 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 even charge throughout the universe and then time and space came into existence, it was at that point that we were all our higher consciousness, not yet incarnate, not yet in form, just there it was. And so then when this stepped down into time, space, and the rest of that, then there became the idea that the whole thing was being run by uh, chemistry, so to speak, being run by atoms rather than us running the atoms. And then when it stepped down again, it went from unconscious, you know, when everything, you put two chemicals together and they bubble up, yes, okay, well, you don't have to use your mind to have them bubble up, they'll do that on their own. So when it steps down from unconscious to subconscious, that's where the emotions are running things. And that's kind of, um, a lot of humanity is at that place right now where it's someone else's fault, where there's blame involved, where my emotions made me do that, where I saw red and I lost control, and it's not my fault, and, uh, and now the- You made me do it. Yeah, and, and the world of blame. And now you shift it down one more time to what we would call conscious thought, and there you begin in the realms of the creation of reality. The idea of uh, advanced thinking, the idea of advanced consciousness, where we are, um, well, that's the realm, that's the, the place that we're going to, that's the next step, and uh, that, that leads the way in from creator, which we are all creators, yes, true, okay, and also into um, co-creator, which comes after that, which is the next step, in the, at least for me in my path, the next step on is the creation of things with other conscious beings, and so that's the place where co-creation begins, and then that's uh, far greater than creation. Well, I would, I would even go so far as to say that's conscious co-creation. Yeah, yeah. We do a lot of co-creating together as, mm -hmm. as lower consciousness aspects of ourselves, too in the form of those thought forms that mm -hmm. hover. Yeah. Like certain places on the highway where the traffic slows down. Mm -hmm. One in particular is 66 going into Arlington, yeah, going east into Arlington. There, there's a thought form that everybody just gets these ideas that this is going to be uh, slow moving traffic and it makes a cloud that we drive into and then, oh, we start going slow. I've seen it on 95 too, where there's nothing really stopping traffic, but there's this period, it's like people go into this fog and go real slow and then they speed up again. And these thought forms are like our thoughts really do go out of our mind and sit there and hover like clouds that we can then, when we're unconscious, we get hypnotized and fall right yeah. into that cloud again. And this happens a lot of uh, times with marketing where we are put to sleep with a certain jingle or a certain thing starting off, and then, then the stuff goes into our subconscious mind. When we're talking about mastering thought, it's not just about conquering your fears and the chatter and the programming that you got when you were growing up. It's also about keeping aware of 
the thoughts you have in your head and which one are yours and what you are picking up by osmosis from people and circumstances going on in your life. It's something I go into further in the Psychic Development series, but it's a powerful technique of knowing because everything, the development of your psychic abilities, your spiritual abilities, is all about being able to master your attention and your perception point. It's this fine thing that you aim it here and you get very clear information back. When it's diffused or you're not holding on to it, it's like a fire hose whipping out of control, sometimes you get those intuitive hits. But most of the time, you're, you're going to get something very fuzzy. Well, one of the biggest things that holds us in that subconscious realm, rather than unconscious realm, subconscious realm, of um, where our emotions are in charge, where not our emotions are, and that's the subconscious, is the, the word victim or the idea of victimhood. And there is no such thing as victim as much as uh, so. Uh, I believe uh, any sort of media news that reports anything reports uh, the word victim is used more than any other word Vic. on, yeah, they, they won't Oof. even finishing, finishing the word victim anymore. They just say the Vic. Well, there were a lot of Vicks involved in that. Vicks, any VapoRub? No, just Vicks. Okay. But the idea that somebody can be a victim is a mythological thinking because of simply the concept of free will. Free will states that everything that happens is your idea until you get to the point where you grok with the idea that everything going on in your life was put there by you. Okay. Now, the way that works is um, somebody who's shot was never a victim. They're somebody who chose to have the experience of being shot. The person who shoots that other person is a person who made the decision to have the experience of doing the shooting. And either way in the line you want to go there, the person that manufactured the gun, uh, the guy, etc. everybody is just doing it to choose to have the experience. When we get to the point that we recognize that whatever the experience was, that was something that was, is dramatically on our side. Every experience anyone ever has, it's on their side. So we're all dancing together in this beautiful choreography, even though we have these um, uh, lame words to describe it as victim and murderer and all these other words. Well, they're just not real. Well, I, I remember when I first read that concept many years ago in the Seth books, and I had this immediate resistance to it because I thought, well, how, how can children who are suffering choose these things? How is it that, that if we are really choosing these and making such terrible mistakes and, and causing this pain to ourselves, well, maybe I'm not capable of making these decisions. Now, this was very early on in my evolution. Oh, sure. No, I and understand. the re reason I am bringing it up is because I have heard this from a lot of people over the years, and I went through it myself. And I would like to explain it saying the same thing as you because I do agree with you 100%, but I'd yeah. like to word it a little bit differently because it is not necessarily a consciously chosen thing. No one chooses consci consciously to get cancer and suffer. No one chooses consciously to get murdered and shot and, and pulled away from becoming a grandfather in their lives or whatever that may be. Nobody consciously chooses it, but that's all viewed from the framework that this is all there is. This is our only lifetime and there's nothing more than this. But when we pan out and look at ourselves as perhaps having multiple lifetimes, either in physical reality 
or whatever, or however it is that we view it, that there are things that come to us that can be of benefit because really the quest is to become conscious and fully conscious to the point where we know God or whatever our view of the divine mm -hmm. is. And that means knowing ourselves and, and working things out on behalf of the whole. So let's say you have a lifetime where you're with somebody that you love very much and the relationship is wonderful, but there's always this fear of losing each other. And the fear makes each of them not be complete whole beings. So then in the next life they decide we are going to create a life that we cannot be together, that the timing will be off, you'll always be in a relationship when I'm not and vice versa, or some kind of painful quote unquote situation where you can't be together. But it was for a divine purpose to make each of them not be so afraid of being apart, knowing that they can handle it, so that the being together now is a matter of choice instead of quote unquote need. Mm -hmm. Now that's just one tiny example. Who knows well why yeah. this is? Mm -hmm. But on some level, know that there's some part of you that is aware of larger life purposes. And when we get to that place and we have trust and faith in that, then we start opening up to where is the blessing and if that part of me or God or whatever we view it as is a lovingness, a loving presence and everything is on my side and it's a safe universe, then how is it that me in this situation that I'm looking uh, at as being horrible, how is this something that's furthering me and making me greater and giving me the opportunity to assist others to be greater? And then you start having your answers and then your choices come in a higher, less painful form. Yeah, very much so. And saying the same thing, again, in different words, there is the idea that when we pinned the contract for this particular incarnation, we knew that we were going to go down there and not be conscious the way we are when we were writing the contract. And so, yeah. and I'm agreeing yeah. with you, I'm just saying it all slightly differently. It is the idea that the, um, in, in choosing these events in life that look like harm and, and et cetera, et cetera, uh, are actually the methods by which we steer our evolution. In other words, the child that chose to be hurt did so from up there in order for the child to become a martial artist later in life, yeah, whereas precisely. they wouldn't have done that. Precisely, yes. So that the steerage yeah. comes from the higher self. So once the co-creation is reached, what you're co-creating with is the higher part of yourself. Exactly, and so that's that, yeah. looking, looking at the instrumental part of you. And, and that so, was the yeah. conclusion of, of what I was saying as well. So we're definitely on the same page and yeah, not exactly. resisting what you're saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm letting people know that may not be able to understand that concept yet. Many people can, but, yeah. but as we go and we see the blessing, what looking for the blessing does is it raises the frequency up to a higher place and I'm just using faster vibration as an example. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily literally have to look like that. But it raises us up to a, a higher place where then we enter into direct dialogue mm -hmm. with the chooser. And then we become privy to why. We start seeing the larger, grander picture. We see the, the picture uh, instead of just pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, we're starting to rise above it and see, see the picture that it's creating in the larger area. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wonderful. So victimhood really does implode within you and it also does a hijack. And, mm -hmm. and victim, um, I wanted to describe victimhood as pointing arrows inward mm -hmm. instead of power pointing arrows outward. Yeah. And true power harms no one. 
Oh, yeah, very well put. And when they're pointed uh, inward, you attract those things to you. Oh, yeah, of course. It's all uh, done with electromagnetic exactly. energies. Uh, and the world, it's a harmony universe we live in, so whatever harmony we give off is the one that comes back. Um, all of that. I recently saw a very interesting movie called In Time, in which everyone had the amount of time they were going to live uh, in a, a changing tattoo, so to speak, on their wrist. And you could buy and sell time. So in this society, there were people that very, were very wealthy, and they were very wealthy because they had um, um, two centuries in their timing. And this affected the way in which they did everything. And lower down in the societies, in the ghettos, uh, people always rushed to do everything, you know, uh, because they were paid in time, which is an ironic thought, rather than paying with time, which is the way it actually works. Now, what is your time worth, by the way? It's worth more than that. Okay, and this movie got me to relax about everything, because in this movie, the people that were very, very wealthy took an incredible amount of time to do everything. So much so that when the hero ended up in the, from the ghetto, ended up in the wealthy area, he was uh, an easy mark. You could tell he was not from the area because he was doing everything in a rush. Well, that's interesting. That yeah, sounds like a great so movie. It got me to um, read more words when I read. You know, we've spent our whole life going, oh, you've got to read faster now. You've got to take uh, blah, 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 uh, speed reading. Like, Come on, you haven't finished. And you're going there. And God, what do you just relax? Come on, you've, you've well, there, got. It's yeah. not like time works like that. It isn't. It doesn't work like that. Well, we it, do that with quantity of things too. Just yeah, to, yeah. Before you change the subject, I just wanted to conclude that if you are uh, in an abundance of time, time changes its nature for you, instead of what we think it is. You know, just like in the uh, when you you travel in a car and you go a greater distance than you could have possibly gone in the time unless you were going 186 miles an hour. I calculated here that would have taken that long on this. You have managed to change the, stretch the nature of time, which is the nature of time. It's slow, you've seen this, it slows or quickens time. Well, when you're having a good time, time flies is the expression, I believe. You know, so this happens all the time to be conscious of it, a greater mastery of it is the recognition that it's infinite. If I don't finish this book in this lifetime, I'll pick it up again. Everybody just step down, relax, do this. Just be, be gentle and loving with yourself. Well, I think that's very interesting, but I was looking at time equals things because there was once a time that I felt like I would like to read all these books or I had all these projects and I found that I was just moving through them as quickly as I could to check them off my list. And something that was very revealing for me, somebody gave me something to read. And I realized that if I lived another 40 years, I can only read so many things. I don't choose to read things that I don't really wish to read. And it gave me more of that sitting in the moment and like what's really important for me. And I was looking at at first, it was a measurement of distance, which is what time is. It takes X, like one moon to go five, five uh, miles or whatever, meaning from night to night again, 24-hour period. Now we are measuring, not with distance anymore, but quantity of items. And this might be a really profound consciousness. Um, it's just now coming to me, so I don't have it formulated very clearly in my mind. But we no longer say, oh, I've got X amount of weeks to do such and such. 
It's I have to get this amount of things done or these amount of objects bought or gotten through or metabolized or categorized or filed away. And so it's objects and things and tasks instead of distance now. Well, Eckhart Tolle, in, uh, you know, the talking about the now, says that the, um, um, the now is eternal. And in fact, in the Bible, when they're talking about for eternity, they're actually talking about the now. Mm -hmm. So that's a very different way to look at it because in, in the now, you cannot read the 40 books. You can't read the 40 books right now. You can read, well, basically one word of one book now, but it doesn't make any difference. Once this sort of thing clicks over in your thinking, it, it's, you've just got nothing to worry about. And that is what Infinite we're talking about. Infinite supply of now. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about in the uh, um, concept of mastery of the thinking and mm -hmm. the idea of there's always more edge to cut. There's always more now. There is. Uh, People that have had the death experience know that the thought process doesn't stop just because the body happens to have been incinerated or however it was the death occurred. Well, the, this process continues on and it doesn't stop. I think period. that there are different forms of thought too. Yes, I think there yes. are body thoughts, like brain thoughts, and then there is consciousness thinking mm -hmm. or knowing. And there really is a very distinct difference between knowing and being out there in consciousness and metabolizing to brain metabolizing. And when you get very clear about the difference between those two things, you can shift consciousness pretty easily. Like for instance, as we wake up from dreams, we're in this, that in-between state, like if you just fall asleep oh, yeah. for a nap, mm -hmm. you're in this place where you're out of time. As a matter of fact, I had an EEG many years ago and they gave me this drug and he said, it'll feel like that this only took place in a second because this dream goes to the place in your brain where you measure time and disables it. So it'll feel like you, you just had a split second and I, I did that. I could not tell you how long I was in that state. I was completely aware during that time. Mm -hmm. But that's what the dream time is like and that's what our natural state is like. And it's actually a construct of our physical, mechanical brain to see reality as a this event, this event, this event, and in this measurement like we do here. And it, you can feel that real subtle shift going from that consciousness of no time into physical reality. And that moment where you leap over, you can feel everything that was just making perfect sense turns into illogical stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the moment when your brain takes over again. And when you can become aware of that, you are observing this whole thing from a higher place. And that's the consciousness that lives on. Yeah. That's the part to get familiar with. That's the part that you get in touch with to have conscious death instead of death through illness and unconsciousness. I remember waking up the other day and um, I felt a chemistry spread from my stomach. And as it was moving towards the brain in that nanosecond of moment, I said, look, I'm not going to jump back into my day based on some sort of fear. And it just got so far and stopped. And I know it was that I wanted to send an email or something like that. And I just stopped it and went back closer to the dream time. We're getting better and better at the meditation, the idea of his sovereignty over reality. Uh, for years and years, there has been the debate about um, cold fusion. Like, yeah, fusion, cold fusion. Um, could we please decide that we're going to have cold fusion? Could we just stop this idiotic debate? 
And I just wanted to do um, one more thing as far as our beloved scientists go. String theory, if you really want that, string theory is the idea of being conscious. That's what it is. That's what it means. You can write it out in math, and I agree with it, and I'm not arguing the point at all. But the idea is that um, that little string that connects to everything, the way it's described now, that's you. That's your consciousness. You are creating this. Uh, there's a book out called Hacking Matter in which uh, the author's putting forth the idea that our thinking dramatically affects uh, matter to the point that well, sure, that's yeah, that you could change quantum the physics for sure. rug. You could change the rug into silly, uh, into flubber, and just go bouncing around on it for yeah. No, we were commanders of our vessel here. Let's please begin to it's actually remind our children now. before they forget about the fact that they're in charge of reality, and get our children to play games, not so much hide and seek. Uh, nearly so much as create and, and vanish, as opposed to um, the way we've been teaching them. And Experience. What about a game of just experiencing Experience. the moment? Yeah. That would be an interesting game. It would you be. You know, that, I think I will include a chapter on meditation for children. Um, mm. I'm oh, glad excellent. I just remembered that. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a wonderful thing to teach kids. When I was in 10th grade, I believe, um, maybe 9th grade, our gym teacher had us do all these activities and then lay down in the grass and she took us through a meditation of our feet being relaxed and moving on up. I used that for decades to mm -hmm. help me fall asleep when I was stressed out or anything. And it was such a powerful tool. And when I was in 10th grade, they were doing this experiment. There were three English teachers and you went to your homeroom teacher and studied Dickens and then you went to the next and studied something else. And then in the fourth nine weeks, you went back to your homeroom teacher and she could teach anything she wanted, wanted to. And I had a really wonderful homeroom teacher. She taught us about astral projection. And we had to write an extra cha chapter onto the end of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and we read Jonathan Livingston Seagull and did other brain teaser exercises like putting three bottles with ni butter knives and making it so they don't fall in. It was so powerful. We went on astral projection um, experiences and I I, that really opened my eyes. It changed my life completely. So there are so many things we can do to open and expand Absolutely. young minds. Yeah. And let's uh, have uh, callers call in with uh, suggestions. Yeah. As to and that was in the early 70s. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. That was so early revolutionary. Early 1600s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was another conversation we were having at dinner about the idea of that did solar flares affect our planet to the point that the American Revolution occurred? Because we'd recently had that solar flare and everybody was reporting. Oh, definitely. definitely. You, well, you know, over in Europe, they give solar flare activity reports with the weather because it's such an impact, mm -hmm. not just on electrical devices, but our brain is an electrical device. Oh, okay. There is a lot of a body of evidence on how sunspot solar flares affect humans. And, but they, they report it because it's a significant thing for you to know about. And, your moods yeah. and people that have uh, certain psychiatric conditions so that they know that that's happening so they can watch people more. Oh, thanks for reminding me. My brain's an electrical device all these years. I've been running it on caffeine, nicotine. Oh, I thought you were going to say a hamster in a wheel. <laughs> caffeine, nicotine, Bro. and alcohol. Bro. <laughs> yeah. So at any rate, now we can switch off to electronics. Yeah. It's much easier. Yeah. So I'll just carry around a 9-volt just to be... Uh, 
So I could hook it up with a stun gun and have brilliant epiphanies, mm -hmm. which would work. Yeah. In its own way. A brain cell so, battery. Yeah. So. A Duracell. A yeah. brain cell. So if anyone would like to call in with questions about this, this show I believe is uh, well, creating mandates in, in thinking and uh, what can uh, people do that would like to add to the this? Phone ringing. Well, I think that the idea of the victimhood, perhaps mm -hmm. um, in between callers we could talk about that more. I feel like nowadays people are making the victims be the perpetrators. Oh, you're being a victim. And sometimes people are not free to even express what's going on with them because people say, oh, that's negative. I, I was in a group of people one time and somebody stated something like, oh, it's raining out. Quit spreading fear or something. Yeah. And people are interpreting it. Uh, yeah, anyway, well, the, the person saying quit spreading fear was the one I know it. Fear. I know yeah. it. It turned the whole mood yeah, into exactly. a fear-based thing. Yeah. Sometimes you state something like, oh, uh, the glass is cracked in that window across the street. And it's said in a neutralness, but people have to interpret it that because way. Because they're superstitious. But sometimes people do have things happen to them. And compassion is also whole, has yes, a place yes. in our world and in our society. And it's when people use that injury to c control other people is Martyr. what I am talking about with the victimhood. Okay. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Neville. Uh, this is Chris. Chris, uh, hey. I, I have a question for, I guess, for both you and Mary. Okay. I'd like to, like to know whether astral projection has changed over the years since we now know more about consciousness. Um, You're talking about kind <coughs> of a, a sliding scale there. If we were um, back in ancient, ancient Greece and um, did astral projection there, we might be the only person conscious of it, but other people would still be doing it. We've been doing this from the beginning of time. Some people have developed it and been touted for it. You know, channeling, for example, is a form of it. Well, so. my personal view of astral projection is that I, I make a distinction between astral projection and out-of-body experiences. And I don't really think it's changed too much, but it's all about attention gaining mastery over your perception point and being able to focus it in a way. If you look at astral projection, to me that is where we become conscious. Uh, let me back up just a little bit. When the birds first start chirping in the spring, we hear them and sometimes they wake, they wake us up in the morning. After a while, we move our attention away. We know we can't do anything about that and nor do we want to because they're cute and they don't try to invade us or anything like that. So we focus our attention elsewhere and we no longer hear the, the birds. Well, think of us in this physical dimension, living in a superimposed reality of multiple dimensions, that we can focus our attention in those by turning our perception point just as if we were listening to the birds, and we actually become tangible in that reality. And that's what it's really all about. So astral projection, I feel, is turning your perception point and making decisions about what levels you are projecting your consciousness. And out-of-body experiences are more coming out of the body and living in this third-dimensional reality and walking around. And, and I've done that before, experiments with friends where I went to a location where they were as an out-of-body experience and was able to report back things that they were doing. And so that's my personal definitions of those two. Yeah, very well done. 
Yeah. Perfect. That, thank you. Well, yeah. it was an excellent call. Thank you. Great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Right. I remember the other day I was walking along and this raven went, <coughs> and so I said, Raven, do you have any telepathy at all? And the raven went, <coughs> he heard you've been quoting him. He's just Evidently. quoting the raven. Nevermore. Nevermore. Yeah. But uh, apparently the raven didn't have much telepathy for his other ravens, so it left me to talk to him about the idea that uh, he was making this sound so that other ravens would echo back to him so that he could know where these other ravens were, as far as I know. At least that's what it looked like, as it turned out to be three of them echoing this field. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so I said, you know, you could do that telepathically. Well, that's but they good. didn't seem to think so. Speaking of ravens, uh, a couple weeks ago I was driving along this road and I saw a raven and a bald eagle sitting next to each other eating in perfect harmony. It was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was just, ah, yeah. it's beautiful. I don't think they'd normally eat together. Well, I've seen bald eagles and ravens and turkey vultures and such being together, but usually the, ra uh, the eagle eats and the rest stand around and wait. Mm -hmm. And the eagle usually is the, the dominant one. So for just a single one of each to be there, just eating together without any mm -hmm. kind of tension, I thought was pretty interesting. Well, you remember Alfred Hitchcock, the birds, and what was so totally frightening to the inhabitants of that little island was that birds of different species were flocking together. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the number of birds collecting around that woman with the blonde hair, and it was the blonde hair, well, maybe it was the sports car, but at any rate, you know, that's she had birdseed in her hair, didn't you see it? I think so, yeah, that's how they got that to happen. They were scotch taped no, all over. No, she just thought it was good for her scalp and didn't realize. Yeah, but the concept of nature being conscious is very alien to the way we've been brought up because the Mother Earth itself is a conscious being and all of the beings on it have consciousness. There's no atom that doesn't have consciousness. It's we who have formed this idea that, oh, that's just uh, a brick or something that can't possibly be insult or have thought or any of the rest of it. And it's not true. There's nothing in the universe that does not have awareness. They're very different from our awareness. I remember teaching the dog, um, not teaching the dog to recognize himself in the mirror. You know, going roof, roof, holding his little paw and waving nothing. He had no concept that was him. But uh, apparently... That you knew about. That I knew about. He yeah. probably was thinking, is this guy nuts? Doesn't he know that this is us in there? Yeah. <laughs> As it works. You never know. And... Well, that was very good. Well, by the way, thank you, caller. That was a very good question. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We As always love fact, your calls. As a matter of fact, the Psychic Development Series that I'm in the midst of teaching the week after this Monday, we're going to go into a little bit of that astral mm -hmm. projection and things Excellent. like that. It's, it's been a love of mine and a level mm -hmm. of uh, the dream experimenting and experiencing I've had. All right, I believe it's about that time. Here come the duck. And that's David. David. Whoa. All righty. Did you get two? Yeah, I did. Kindness and faith. Have faith that your kindness is going somewhere. Sometimes it seems when we're kind, people don't appreciate it and they they throw it back in your face or they throw it on the ground and trample it like pearls before swine. But your kindness is always working magic, so keep doing it. Well, I got celebration and uh, along with like love, I have a certain... 
along the idea of uh, along with love, it's also something that there's just way too little of in our world. So celebrate, celebrate celebrating, celebrate for no reason, celebrate because you just took your next breath. Well, like Valentine's Day is a celebration of loving your partner. Mm -hmm. It's it's okay to make up your own holidays. Why don't we make a self-love day? Okay, yeah, it's going good. to be March 1st is self-love day. I now declare it nationally or internationally because these go out over the airwaves. March 1st is love me day. And so go buy yourself something, buy yourself your favorite dinner, do loving things for yourself. You got it? Okay. Good idea, the 1st of March, given the... And you don't have to buy a card. Because usually the other ones, you feel guilty if you don't get cards and such. Yeah, yeah. No. It's like... No guilt. Love guilt Day on zone. the Simpsons. Love yeah. Day on the Simpsons, where the next day they, they just packed it all up and it incinerated it. Well, this is a self-love day. So yeah. we won't tie it to the Simpsons. Let's make this a real thing. Yeah. Okay. No, that wasn't a self-love day. That was just okay. love day. Yeah. And we have our caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, my name's Daphne. Kathy. No, Hi. Daphne. 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 Ah, Hi. Yeah. I, I love the self-help, the self-love day. I'm going to start doing it. It's really a great idea. Excellent. Yay. <laughs> also, may I have a reading for you? Sure. Sure. Yeah, and we can, we can start a whole movement, a self-love day. Yeah. So this is Daphne's reading. SLD. Okay, the first card we get is participation. And it's hard to, to see, but there are four sets of hands. Uh, I always look at this and think of many hands make light work. And it's about working together, participating in your life, letting other people participate in your life, and participating with groups of people. Because once we understand the nature of us as an individual, we start seeing this dynamic of how we create with other individuals which is a little bit of what you were saying, but more with earthbound things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we create with others, but then sometimes we stand apart. Usually this card represents a child feeling like he's an outsider, and the lock on the lock is not really locked, so he can leave at any time. But I feel in this context, it's telling you sometimes work with others and let others participate, and, and then other times take it in your own hands. That there might be some circumstance or some people in your life that you're having to coexist with but may not have certain standards that you have. So use your heart instead of your head that tells you what you should and shouldn't be doing. Let your heart carry you. And the burden card is looking at some of those old beliefs that we can get not just from our mothers and our fathers, but from society and from how people react to us throughout our lives. And some of that may be holding you back. So look in the areas of your life you're feeling like a resistance or a fatigue in, and look for the belief that's making that resistance tire you out. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank Excellent. you. Excellent, yeah. So we have our next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? I'm Rosa. How y'all doing? Good, hey, good. Hey, good. How are you? Okay, I miss y'all guys. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I'm, I, um, this guy used, and I used to be enemies in the past. Now we're friends, and he's a pastor of a church. And I would like to know... Um, what is his intentions for, for towards me, a reading on that? Will we get married someday, or will we just go, go our way? Well, let's look at this, because I feel that all things are choice. And so let's let this reveal some of the underlying things that are really going on. Okay. And that will tell us about what the future is going to bring. 
uh, because it's all already defined internally. Mm -hmm. okay. Now the stress card, this person's all anxious and he's anxious because he's afraid the monkey's going to pop that bubble and he's going to fall down. But it would be better to just step off of that and get back down. This is telling me that there might still be a little bit of old stress or old feelings between the two of you if you guys had been the enemies or enemies yes, we that would. that maybe there are some things that you still have to show each other about loving yourself and as you start seeing the value of the relationship with each other it starts creating this harmony within yourself so this is saying you have moved from that into this which to me looks very nice uh-oh, and then the lover's card appears. <laughs> so I'll let you make your own decisions about that. But I would say that there may have been a, a lot of purpose that you guys came into each other's lives to help each of you be more at peace with yourself and have your own definitive natures. And that lovers can never happen until we love inside. The one outside will never work until the one yeah, inside does. The going with the flow is the... Uh and the going with the flow is that. Well, do you see a marriage coming out the relationship? We both in our senior um, years. What was that now? I said, do you see a, a marriage coming out the relationship? We're both in our senior years. We're both in our early sixties. Well, um, like that, the cards were saying, it would be for you to decide. But the conditions are such that you you have created a, a, a nice harmony together. And I would say right. if, you, if that's what you truly want, the conditions are right for that. Oh, um, okay. So it's not a, a preordained thing that it's already happened and that, that I can say yes, but I would say the cards were very favorable for that if that's what you choose. Oh, I see. So okay. that's, that's a good thing. Oh. I'm saying yes, but putting it in your hands, which is really how it works. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. Yeah, that's the way the whole thing yeah. works. Okay. okay, well, thank you, Rosa. Thank you mm -hmm. all both. Okay. Mm -hmm. And choice is the uh, whole point of free yeah, will. Well, that's, that's what's so great about seeing the cards. You can see the trajectory you're on. And Rosa's particular trajectory mm -hmm. was moving in that direction. So if it's not a matter of when is something going to happen, it's what, do I, what steps do I have to take. Not when am I going to walk out that door, but what has to happen to get me out that door. Well, I have to stand up and take 13 steps or whatever that is. And so once we see that kind of power, we can use the cards to help us create yeah. as well. And all experience is on our side, absolutely all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a very different way to see the world than we're taught to see it. Yeah. Mm. That we're in charge of it. No matter what happens, it's in our favor. It's a win-win, no matter what you do. I mean, it is. Mm -hmm. And once we all start to think that way, we'll live in a different world. And once we bring up about I don't know, 80 generations in a row teaching the kids that that will be a different world to live in. Well, I thought I would take this moment just to mm -hmm. speak. I've got a, um, an EFT afternoon salon type session for uh, relationship pain, oh. um, family relationships and romantic relationships. You can gain a lot of ground for coming from that. It's mm -hmm. posted on the web. Um, and then I've got a tarot class on speaking with spirit this Sunday. And the following Sunday is tarot and EFT, Excellent. which is like, kind of like a therapeutic tarot, mm -hmm. if anybody's interested. And I am in, in the process of transcribing huge volumes of information, and I've had a couple people that have been so kind as to assist. But um, if there's anybody else out there that would like to, it comes in half-hour increments, and there's a free software you can use to, to do this 
transcribing to slow it down and all that. Mm -hmm. If anybody's interested, you can let me know. TelepathicTV.com. Uh, yeah. And we're going to be at Ruby Tuesday shortly, provided this is indeed Thursday night rather than the rerun. And um, if you'd like, if you're not doing anything, come out, see us, we'll be there. Mm -hmm. Just come to chat or however that works for you. Yeah, if you'd like to come to the show, that would be great too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that you've made a new one of these. I was admiring the sphere. Mm -hmm. Amethyst is so nice. This is my chimney quartz. Yeah, that is lovely. Well, it's not called chimney quartz, but it that one in really particular. looks like it has a chimney, like it's a house with a chimney. Mm -hmm. That was kind of neat. Yeah, it's a really beautiful one. Mm -hmm. It's uh, We'll be doing a show. Do not adjust your sets. <laughs> look how clear the crystal makes your eyesight <laughs> after you look at it for a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we will be doing that crystal show we've been talking about pretty soon. So to, we'll, I'll send out an email and let people know. Mm -hmm. And the waveform generator is the device that uh, assists you in uh, amplifying thoughts. Not that you couldn't do it on your own, as, I've al as we've always said. But it is the idea of... Um, Lots of great feedback from... Yeah, from over the years it's been unanimously exponential as far as the... Yeah, yeah, I agree as far as people talking about what's happened in their life with them. Yeah. Well, we, as you were saying, we'll be at Ruby Tuesdays. And we yeah. air live every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern. So you can still call in, even if you're watching this online. Um, if you are in another city or watching a rerun of this in your city, because we do air in New Hampshire and um, Maine and Texas and... Arizona, mm -hmm. and various places like that. So if you're watching from there, and this isn't the, the live show, you can still call in at the number at the bottom of the screen, 8.30. India. Yeah, India, yes, we're yes. almost 12 hours difference. So this is 8.30 in the morning, yes. you can call us. Yeah, but we would love to take your call at any time. Yeah. But just to do a little bit of a recap of what we were talking about today with mastering your thoughts, it's mastering your knowing too. And this is a whole other show I know, but mm -hmm. mastering your intuitive knowing because there are so many times when we know something. They say that the victims of crimes, and I, I'm using a police quote, that e almost all of them said, I knew that something was going to happen, but I was being polite. Yeah. And almost all of them said that. So Politeness we kills. have to let our knowing become bigger than our thinking because, and, and here I'm using thinking in a different way, our, our mind thinking. Yeah. Because our mind thinking is programmed with certain software that says you have to be polite at all costs, even if that person's going to be pulling a knife on you. Well, this is the idea. We, or in an unknown habit. situation, our knowing will tell us exactly what's going on. And then within a nanosecond, literally that small a time, we have doubted and then, and this is the irony of being human, we believe the doubt, which in this case is called politeness, uh, which keeps us from understanding what's going on. So let's just yeah, knock this off. Yeah, that's my point, off. exactly. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. The, if it's no, I'm, remarkable I'm, I'm serious. How it's getting back into our knowing. absolutely astute we are and how easily we give that up. We're astute. Because we've been, we've been trained to give it up. And, Manners are one way in which that works. 
the manners and guilt that's a whole show in it that's a whole show to do right there we've done and we've guilt. done that but it's time to do it again yeah i think so mm -hmm. we'll do all of them again eventually. yeah and you can check the archives many of them are in the archives mm -hmm. and we're in the process of dubbing onto dvd our well, early did, shows uh, from early 2000 early shows included feared out worried our guilt, and honor to take the end of our time yeah Thank you.